John's Gospel, if you would, chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to be talking about, you know, how to stay full of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking, the, ministering the last couple of weeks uh, along the lines of the ministry of God's Spirit. And so in order to undis- understand this subject matter, uh, let's begin in John's Gospel, chapter 14. We're going to pick up in the 15th verse, and Jesus speaking says, If you love me, keep my commandments. I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he, the helper, may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. It's interesting that Jesus prefaced uh, the ministry of the Spirit by saying that he will manifest himself. He has been with you. You have recognized him being with you. But there's going to come a day very soon where he's going to abide within you. And this is where I shared last week is that your house is a home and not a hotel and that God comes to permanently dwell within us. And that's part of the great mystery of godliness which is christ in us the hope of glory and i know that many of you who enjoy a good mystery understand that mysteries aren't meant to stay mysteries mysteries are meant to be solved and one of the ways that we understand christ in us the hope of glory is by understanding the truth of who the holy spirit is so that we can identify him at work and then we can yield to him accordingly so jesus basically is saying Up until this time, you know, you've recognized and seen the Holy Spirit working through me, but there's coming a day he's going to work through me, just uh, work through you, just like he's working through me. He's going to be in you. And even though I have to depart, and even though you don't understand the need, uh, understand the necessity of my departure, uh, you will, because when the spirit of, of truth comes, he is going to teach you. He's going to lead and guide you. He's going to fill in the blanks. The questions that you have about my absence and why my tenure here was so short will be thoroughly answered by the Spirit when he comes. And you'll see it was of necessity that I did my part and now the Spirit is here to do his part. But the good news is is that he's teaching us in accordance with the way of the Father and the way of the Son. And so uh, we talked about that last week and it's important for us to understand that We are the home, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells now in these earthen vessels. And in order to understand that a little bit more specifically, we have to understand that how we were designed and that we were created by God for God and spirit uh, begot spirit, just like flesh begot flesh. And so God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the part of you and, and I that's just like God is our recreated, born-again spirit. It's identical. It's where the Holy Spirit dwells. And you look exactly, you look exactly, Jesus in you is, is by his Holy Spirit, is exactly who Jesus was when he was here on the earth. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important to us. Because he'll reveal to us the ways of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the character of Jesus. He helps develop all of those things in us. And just like Jesus had, you know, disciples and 
he was shaping and forming them by his presence and by his words and by his power. You know, so is the Holy Spirit doing in our life so that we become more Christ-like. And so uh, Jesus was preparing the disciples and, you know, all believers for what God had prepared for them. And so if you would just turn back to the uh, Gospel of Luke, I want to show you that in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, after Jesus' resurrection, he makes a very important statement and gives some instruction to his followers. In verse 49 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or filled or clothed with power from on high. So endued, clothed, or filled, they're all synonymous. They mean exactly the same thing. But notice the promise, the P is capitalized. So Jesus is, once again, after his resurrection, saying, you know, I made a promise to you when I was with you in the upper room that uh, you were going to experience the power and the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But in order to do that, I need you to take a step of faith. Now, it's a, let me go back to John's gospel just for a minute because I, I started off by saying Jesus said that if you love me and keep my commandments, then, and then he stated the person in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So now he's going to give his followers, his disciples, a commandment. And commandments have a way of proving or solidifying someone's love. And so if you love me, keep my commandments is one of the uh, ways in which we measure and each and every one of us can measure our devotion and our love for Jesus is by our obedience. And so Jesus at that moment, you know, could have called upon the Holy Spirit. He had been resurrected. He was there ministering unto them. Uh, he had already instructed them upon his resurrection and upon his ascension on high that the spirit would come and the spirit would not only be with them, that he would indwell them. So why didn't it happen just at that moment? Because there had to be a step that they took. God always requires faith. There had to be an act of faith that they were willing to participate in. And so scripture says that after the resurrection of Jesus, that he appeared upward to 500 individuals. Personally, 500 beheld the resurrected Savior. And of that 500, most Bible scholars believe that the 120 came from that 500, which is a really significant aspect when you understand biblical teaching because not everyone responded to the first appeal to go to Jerusalem and be filled with power from on high. But for the 120 that did, they had an experience with God. And so in order to understand how to stay full of the Holy Spirit, you first have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't maintain something you've never experienced. If you never experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, then how can you stay full of something you've never experienced? So Jesus understood the necessity for them to be first filled. And then from there, he would give instruction through the book of Acts through the early church, and through the letters to the church on how to stay full. But his first desire was that they understand they needed to be filled. 
And then he would teach them how to be refilled. And we understand that principle from a practical standpoint, but just apply some of those principles that you understand from a practical standpoint and, and apply it to your spiritual life. In order for your vehicle to be refueled, it first has to be fueled. But then the fuel that was in it dissipated, and so it had to be refilled. And so the same principle is true in the spirit. So in Acts chapter 24, I mean in Luke's gospel chapter 24 and verse 49, he said there was a promise of the father, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Why? Until you were endued or clothed or filled with power, with power from on high. So if you want to, and I invite you to go to Acts chapter one and let's continue this story and just follow it as it unfolds in scripture. In verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, just as a point of uh, biblical uh, knowledge is that Luke not only wrote the gospel that is named after him, he also wrote the book of Acts. So as uh, the book of Acts opens, uh, Luke is inspired to remind the reader that he is picking up where he left off. So in Luke chapter 24, he says there's a promise that's been given unto you. Then he reminds them of the promise in Acts chapter 1, and he said about it, you've heard about the baptism of John, but there's a baptism greater than John's and you will experience it. And so the baptism was of water that John baptized with, but we were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we are the candidates and we are the ones that are immersed or filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's really... A real key factor. Who was filled? Who was filled? Those that love God enough to keep his commandments. Now, that's not talking about being perfect, but that's talking about walking in the light that you and I have. Let me go back to a phrase that Mary said to the servants at the wedding of Canaan of Galilee. She simply said to the servants, whatever he says to do, he being Jesus, just do it. So here it is. Whatever... Jesus has spoken unto you in his word and quickened to you by his spirit, then that's what you and I are responsible for. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm not responsible to walk in the light uh, of somebody else. I'm responsible to walk in the light that I have. So God is not asking me to be perfect. God is asking me to love and express my love towards him by obeying him, by taking that step of faith. So 120 out of the 500 according to biblical scholars, went to Jerusalem and then they experienced the power and the promise that Jesus had given unto them. 
Once again, the word power can be synonymous with ability. And when the power of the ability of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, what's going to happen? You're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we can see that narrative play out to be very true throughout the book of Acts. And that they started where they were, and as they were faithful where they were, God sent them to new fields and to new people. And so it is today. So in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the promise fulfilled that was spoken of by Jesus to the disciples after his resurrection. And then where they are now gathered in Jerusalem, they're in the upper room, and now 50 days after his resurrection, the day of Pentecost comes and Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and what? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to follow along in this in this uh, narrative as we continue to look through the book of Acts. Let's go to the 37th verse, the 37th verse of Acts chapter 2. And this is Peter now preaching on the day of Pentecost after people had gathered and wanted to know what all the commotion was about. And Peter brought an explanation to what they were seeing and what they were hearing. And he said in verse 37, now when they heard this, They were cut to the heart when they heard what? They heard the preaching of the gospel. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Really, so many good decisions come from good questions. When we ask good questions and then we get insight and understanding and truth, then we can make an enlightened decision. And so these people were cut to the heart. Another way of saying that is they were convicted and convinced of their ways needing to change. And as a result of that conviction, they cried out, what do we have to do to experience this salvation, this glorious salvation that we're seeing and that we're hearing and that we know was promised? How how do we get in on this? In verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And, and now that would make a person... Uh, born again, if they repented and baptized and they repented of their sins, then they're born of the Spirit. And notice what he says then, and that conjunction is very important, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he said in verse 39, for the promise is to you and to your children and all to who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And so... Um, Some dispensationalists, which means uh, those are people that divide Scripture into timelines, believe that the day of Pentecost is exclusive to that dispensation or that timeline. Well, if that's the case, then we have to tear verse 39 out of the Bible. If it was just one time for one group of people to birth the church, then it wouldn't be an ongoing story through the rest of the book of Acts, would it? It would only be that people on that day of Pentecost that were filled and no one else is filled. That's like saying, you know, people were born again on that day. People were baptized on that day, but no one ever can be born again or baptized again. That's bad 
theology. It's bad dispensationalism. It's bad interpretation of Scripture. Because if a person can be born of the Spirit and baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then definitely they can still be filled with the Spirit. And all three of those are a work of God's salvation and a work of grace. So if one has been done away with, all three have been done away with. But the good news is none of them have been done away with. Amen. The promise, the promise of what? The fullness of the Spirit, the person of the Spirit, indwelling, empowering us to be a witness, to help us, to comfort us, and to be to us what Jesus was to to the disciples is an ongoing promise generationally. It's not for a generation. It's for all generations. It's not just for mom and dad. It's for their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. It follows every genealogy around the world because Jesus is, is globally Lord. He's Lord of every nation, every people group, every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, every ethnic group Jesus is Lord over. He purchased all of the world with his own blood. And he wants all of the world to be born of his spirit, to be filled with his spirit, to be led by his spirit. And therefore, in order for us to be refilled, we first have to be filled. You have to be filled. Let's continue the story. Are you guys okay with this? Acts chapter 4. Let's jump ahead. And verse 8. And this is after a notable miracle had taken place. And uh, Jesus, uh, Peter and is giving a, a report uh, to those who have questions. In verse 8 it says, Then Peter... Notice the next word, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And then he gave an explanation as to how this miracle transpired in the man who was sitting and begging alms at the beautiful gate. And then the conclusion of him sharing the truth of God's salvation and that through the faith and in the name of Jesus that that man stood before them whole. Notice what they perceived in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. How in the world are they going to realize that they've been with Jesus unless they're doing the things that Jesus said to do? And Jesus said that these signs would follow those that believe. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also in greater works than these. So if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, it's going to take faith. And if we're going to do the works of Jesus, it's going to take faith. And faith is what pleases God. And faith is what allows the Holy Spirit to come and begin his work and his ministry through each and every one of us. Because we receive a promise by faith. We walk in the light of God's word by faith. The 120 went to Jerusalem by faith. They went to the upper room by faith. They waited on the Lord by faith. And their faith took substance and they were all filled. And your faith and my faith, once again, can also create an avenue or a path for God to fill us. Now, I'm about to wind down because I've probably given you a few things to consider and to ponder and to be reminded of. But I do want to say this, that there is, in Scripture, 
one time where people tarried for the Spirit. And from that moment forward, they, there's never another mention of it in Scripture where anyone had to tarry for the Holy Spirit. Once someone was born of the Spirit and baptized, people were, were a candidate to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when one is born again, they're cut to the heart. They're convinced of the Lordship of Jesus. They say in their heart by faith, Jesus is Lord. At that moment, they're regenerated in their spirit. They're born of God. They're born of an incorruptible seed. At that moment, they're the Lord's forever. They're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And they that are of the Lord are one spirit with the Lord. And then they can be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They can publicly identify with Jesus as one of his. And they can be filled with the Spirit. And you see this pattern over and over again in the book of Acts. And so... I just encourage you to read Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, and you'll see this pattern unfold over and over again in the Word of God. And so people being born of the Spirit, being baptized, being filled with the Spirit. And sometimes people were born of the Spirit, then they were filled with the Spirit, and then they were baptized. But they were always born of the Spirit first. Because you must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. And when a person is born again, the Spirit of God does that work. But the Spirit of God has much work to do in us. The initial convincing us of our sin is our introduction to the Holy Spirit. But then He is the Spirit that empowers us for service and to be effective witnesses for the Lord. So I want to just um, read... Uh, verse 31 in Acts chapter 4, if you would uh, look at that verse with me as I begin to wind down tonight. And so after uh, Peter and John gave an account of uh, how the man at the beautiful gate was healed, uh, of course the elders and the leadership perceived that they had been with Jesus. Uh, they were perplexed, but what they did was they, they flogged them. They commanded them not to teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And so uh, Peter and John were let go, and they went to their own company. And then in verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were, what's the next two words? They were all filled. Now, this is the same group of characters that were filled in Acts chapter 2. And how many of them were filled in Acts chapter 2? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're tracking, and I believe that you are, then you understand they were initially filled, but then over the course of witnessing for Jesus, working for Jesus, worshiping Jesus, you know, living for Jesus, they needed an infilling. Just like you fill your car up and you go to Des Moines and then you go to Iowa City and then you go to Oskaloosa and you make a loop back to Knoxville. Well, you better check your gas tank because you're probably going to need some more fuel. And so you pull into the filling station and you take a few minutes and you get filled. And then you can go on to your next destination. And so it is with spiritual work. You're Serving Jesus, you're witnessing for Jesus, you're resisting darkness, you're communicating and, and, and you're giving out. So there has to be a time where you receive more, where there's another 
touch of the Spirit, another infilling of the Spirit. Now, the initial evidence all through the book of Acts of those that were uh, touched or filled with the Spirit was that the evidence, the overflow of the Spirit in their life is they spoke in an unknown tongue. And let me just remind you that is unknown to you and I, but not to the Lord, not to him. And they spoke with tongues and glorified God. And uh, so I, I, I want to encourage you that just as God gave you a new birth, he gave you a new commandment, he gave you a new testament, I mean, he can give you a new tongue. And sometimes we get uh, hung up on the evidence, but I'm going to finish by saying a couple things that I think will put everything in perspective tonight to help you to really understand those that are filled all have this in common. Number one is, I, I know once I make this statement, it'll help you. Desires determine decisions. You look at the major decisions in your life, things that that uh, mattered to you, that had meaning or substance. It was all desire-driven. John Osteen tells a story of when he met Dodie. Dodie was his wife. And uh, they were courting. And uh, he had engaged and, and to her. And so uh, they had set a date for their wedding. And one night they were on a beautiful walk down in San Antonio on the river walk. And uh, he was holding Dodie's hand. And as they were walking along, uh, uh, Pastor Osteen looked at Dodie and he said, Oh, for a thousand arms to wrap around you. And she said, John Osteen, I don't want to know what you're going to do with a thousand arms. I want to know what you're going to do with the two God gave you. <laughs> He had a desire to demonstrate and to show, oh, but she said, what are you going to do with the two that I gave you? Desires determine our decision. Everything that we've read about was desire-based. These people had a desire to express their love for God. They had a desire to obey the commandments of God. They went to Jerusalem. They were filled. They had a desire to witness for God. They had a desire to serve God. They had a desire to be used by God. And all of those desires drove their decision. So what am I saying? Hunger has everything to do with being filled. And the more you're around the things of God, the more you're going to desire the things of God. The more you're in the word of God, the more you're going to desire the word of God. The more you're around the presence of God, the more you're going to desire, desire the presence of God. And this is another truth is that the Holy Spirit roots out all worldliness and carnality because he's holy. When he comes in because we confess and repent and we confess the lordship of Jesus, but we repent, there's contrition, there's brokenness, there's an awareness of separation from God. And we're so grateful for the gift of God's salvation that we willingly change our mind and say, Jesus, you be my Lord. I'm tired of being the captain of my own ship. And that repentance led to the Spirit's work of being born again. And when we understand that we live in a dirty, filthy, stinking, contaminated, sin-filled world, and the only way we can stay pure and spotless and the only way we can get cleaned up is through the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. Just as we could not save ourselves, we cannot clean ourselves up 
nor can we empower ourselves through our own good works to witness or testify for God. But thank God there is a work of the Spirit where He renews us, He refreshes us, He cleanses us, He empowers us, He fills us, and He uses us for God's glory. Amen. So the same Spirit that brought you to Jesus is the same Spirit that will fill you with the fullness of God so you'll be an effective witness for Jesus. So don't get hung up on the initial evidence. You have a desire to serve the Lord. Have you located that desire? Do you have a hunger and a thirst? Then Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They will be filled. Do you have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God? For his ways, for his plans, for his purposes. Then that's what we see in the book of Acts. Hungry and thirsty people. People that are making decisions based on God's godly desires, not worldly desires. Not worldly power, not worldly fame and fortune, not worldly accolades, but God's will. And those 120 went and experienced God in the upper room. And there's millions upon millions of people today that desire God, that love God, that hunger for God and thirst for God. And God is pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. God's pouring out His Spirit. He's filling and refilling. He's filling and refilling. He's filling and refilling. Who? Those that are making decisions on godly desires. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those that are expressing their love for God. Those that desire to keep His commandments. He gives us the ability by His Spirit to do it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.